Hey, welcome back. Another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. Uh, I believe I told you guys there would possibly be another one. And lo and behold, we do have a third and final podcast of the week. It's been a big week here on the Standing Room Only Podcast. Today, we've got uh, three guests. Uh, first up, my colleagues on the beat, uh, Pete Haley from uh, NBC Sports Washington, Matt Parrish from the Washington Times. Uh, fun chat. Kind of going through some of the some of the Washington football team's offseason needs. We each ranked our top three quarterback targets, discussed wide receiver, but even got into some weird stuff like how big of a need, like tight end, kicker, returner, uh, also some other random type items. Pop tarts came up as an example. Um, then uh, another guest, this one a colleague of mine at the Athletic, but he's mo- mostly known as a former. NFL front office executive Mike Lombardi, who obviously was uh, made some news in these parts recently with some talk about Marcus Mariota. Had him on the podcast to get the, his latest thoughts on Mariota, Washington's potential quarterback targets, uh, Brandon Scherf, a bunch more from Mike Lombardi. So all that here on the Standard Room Only podcast. If you missed earlier episodes this week, I talked to our NFL draft insider Dane Brugler uh, about the 2021 class. Our Chicago Bears insider, Kevin Fishbitten, about um, Allen Robinson, Mitch Trubisky in the offseason. And then on Wednesday, I had a deep dive on the Wizards, but also some Washington football talk as well with Joe House from The Ringer. So a lot going on this week. And of course, you can catch up on all the podcasts on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you do your podcasting. Make sure you check my workout on the Athletic, by the time you hear this, I likely have a new story up on left tackle situations for Washington. Uh, mentioned Sadiq Charles, get into some of the free agents. Yes, got into some Trent Williams thoughts there as well. Don't don't call me crazy until you read it. That's all I can say. And, uh, and also the draft there as well. Um, before we get to all that, I do want to get to that pretty quickly because we... Uh, went at length and there's a lot to listen to this week on the podcast but just a couple quick uh random thoughts uh first off the wizards uh bradley beal today was named not just to not just an all-star but he was named a starter congrats to bradley beal it's been quite something to watch him throughout his career and i've talked about this before but just seeing him develop um not just as a player but as a person it sucks because of the times we're living in to not be around him or anybody else, of course. But it's been it's really fun to see him throughout his career. He's it's a well-deserved honor to be uh, an all-star. Thought he should have been in, you know, obviously he was in the mix a year ago, but it didn't happen. Uh, glad to see him rewarded this time. He's obviously had a tremendous year um, with, with his scoring. And even though Washington's record is obviously not where anybody wants it to be. Uh, you know, I mean, by and large, he gives it. He gives a really good effort night in, night out, and uh, you know, I think he's somebody you can rally around, build around. Uh, that's obviously what Washington is doing at this point. So, kudos to Bradley Beal for that. Also worth noting, uh, right after Joe House and I kind of slandered D- Davis Bertans for his slow start, he goes out and bangs nine three pointers <laughs> in in Washington's weird win over Denver. On uh, on Wednesday, kudos to, to Bertans. Obviously, it's great to see him hitting his shots. He clearly has been on fire the last two games, and this is, of course, what Washington wanted to see. Um, you know, 
bummer for everybody involved that it's come late. It is insane. I don't know where we're at today, but I, I tweeted yesterday that at the point that Washington beat Denver, despite being nine and seventeen and and just generally, you know, not great. The Wizards, they weren't just a couple games out of the playoffs. They were like four games out of the four seed in the East. That's how bad that conference is. I haven't even been paying much attention to the top because we're talking about mostly the team at the bottom. But it is insane that the Wizards are even close to anything like that. Now, of course, they would have to jump about a thousand teams to get to the four seed. But the point largely is that the East is terrible and the Wizards are just one of the terrible teams by and large. But they're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, their first uh, three-game winning streak in two and a half years. So uh, good for them on that. Uh, a couple other things on the football side. I would say check out On The Athletic. We've got uh, some group project articles out, one about um, players who could be uh, receiving the franchise tag this year. I mentioned Brandon Sheriff in there. I would be surprised, of course, if that happened. But nonetheless, it conceivable it could happen. He's obviously received it last year, and if the two sides don't come to a long-term deal, Washington will have to have a decision there. Uh, also, an article about cap casualties. Each each writer kind of went through the list of their team and, and picked some of the more notable ones. Uh, just to, I'll just tell you, Washington, you're going to want to look at the article for everybody else, and I'll, I'll address it at some point here as well, but uh, Alex Smith being the most obvious one, Really not much else, though, on Washington's side of realistic players. I also listed John Bostic because he, I thought he was the, had the second highest number of anybody who would potentially be released. But, you know, I don't think he'll be released. Nonetheless, he was mentioned. And lastly, this is how deep I had to go. I went with Troy Apke. Um, it's just under a million, which, again, may not sound like a ton. But nonetheless, um, you know, I, it's notable considering, you know, Troy Apke fell out of the rotation last year, even with all their safety injuries. So it's it's certainly possible Washington uh, could do that. Um, it was also mentioned today uh, that the salary cap, the, the, the floor this year will be $180 million. Uh, or, you know, 100, yeah, 180, uh, $180 million. So what does that mean? Basically, it's a little bit more than what people were projecting, 175 million. Washington already had the fifth most fifth most cap space at this point with around 38, a little over 38 million. So everybody's going to get a little bit of a bump. But Washington's already in a good position there for sure. And I mentioned if you know if you if you reduce Alex Smith, a, a tax on another 14 or so million dollars to that cause as well um all right so just some notes there to to get into hope everybody has a safe and happy weekend you want to hit me up on twitter i'm at ben standing and of course subscribe to the athletic i definitely appreciate that um as i mentioned uh matt paris uh pete haley and i uh was good to catch up with with the fellas we did that over uh, over zoom of course and then we get to mike lombardi uh <laughs> interesting chat with mike i've never talked to him before he uh he had some thoughts uh, that, that were, of course, obviously, to get thoughts from an NFL, former NFL executive, you're going to take that. Uh, I, I threw him my broad idea about quarterbacks for Washington, the type of quarterbacks that they would consider. I, and you've heard me say this before, upside versus sort of steady. Let's just say he didn't agree with me. <laughs> uh, so take that for what it's worth. But uh, 
all good uh, differences of opinion is what makes the world go round so let's get into it we'll start off with my conversation with pete haley and matt paris and then we'll jump in to mike lombardi i'll put a timestamp in the the notes if you're interested in just skipping to either one of those but for now uh let's get into some fun here on the standard group only podcast All right. Um, th- th- this podcast often typically skews too old, so I needed to inject the, the podcast with some youth, and who better than to do that and simultaneously talk about the Washington football team than with uh, some of the youth correspondents on the beat. Uh, we have Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington and Matt Paris from the Washington Times. Uh, gentlemen, first and foremost, everybody doing all right? Doing well, yeah. I'm uh... Glad you and Kyle don't have to put your hearing aids for this one. It's me and Paris. We're going to talk about all the hip references and just make this a lot more uh, fun and young for the young did, crowd. Did you speak you up? What did you say? <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa. Well, okay. So I saw something. I saw before. Look, we're going to we're, we're, we're going to get into uh, free agents, quarterbacks, kind of some random thoughts about. I asked these I asked these guys to think of so, think of a, uh, answers to a couple of questions kind of about the offseason and we'll have a little fun making some predictions and 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 how we view the offseason but I saw this today and it reminded me of, a, of an ongoing bit that we kind of had all year with with everybody with, with you guys but I think Pete in particular but also maybe a little bit with Matt and a little bit with uh, Sam Fortier and that is especially what happened like a song would come on and somebody say hey do you know who this is very 50 50 with Pete actually probably 20 80 yeah. I don't know whatever so this is sort of like that and here we go. I suspect you'll get this, but we'll see. So it, it came out this morning, apparently, that HBO is developing a Marion Barry uh, biopic, or at least there's talks of that for HBO. And it's going to come from Spike Lee and Eddie Murphy, maybe on to play Marion Barry. Now, I assume we, we all know who Marion Barry is, as in the former mayor of D.C. That was that was going to be my <laughs> guess, but I wasn't like going to bet oh. my life on it. OK, well, native he had no idea. Oh, neither one. Oh, wow. I, then I blew it by not even going to that. Well, okay. So this part then, will, will, I, I feel confident you won't know how to say this. In the, so this is an article in The Hollywood Reporter, and it goes obviously through just the basic stuff about, you know, uh, who's, who, who would possibly be writing it, directing it, producing it, all that kind of stuff. And then it gives a little bio about Mary and Barry for the, for the uninitiated. And it says here, Barry served as the D.C. mayor from 1979 to 1991 and again from 1995 to 1999 and is currently a member of the D.C. City Council representing the city's eighth ward. The last part is currently a member of the D.C. City Council representing the city's eighth ward. Do either one of you know whether that is true or false? I, I don't even know what would be true or false about that or what the eighth ward is or a city council really does. So don't you I live no in D.C.? Well, yeah. the water like other so that that's easy to know but i i don't know i don't have the the ward people by sure. memorization and and nobody does and that hasn't hasn't actually the real point here's the actual point he died several years ago uh <laughs> so well, that the eighth ward in the sky is currently a member i was like uh he actually didn't live he's not alive right now i think 2014 uh, anyway, yeah, no, but I don't know. The, 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 I, I barely, I know it's Mayor Bowser at this point. And after that, um, I, I, I'll, I'll recognize a few names. But yeah, anyway, that stood out. I immediately thought to myself because we were doing this time ago. Like, oh, I'm going to ask because who, that, they're not going to know. But that's not their fault that this, this is in this article. That is nuts. If you want to talk Eric Barry, I'm way more comfortable than Mary and Barry. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, look at Eric Barry could be an answer to uh, 
one of these uh, one of these questions. Uh, as I said, I asked these guys um, so in advance. Okay, here's some here's some different topics that we'll get it to, and we'll just all have some fun and kind of figure out some some thoughts about the off season. Um, you guys are the guests, Pete. I'll let you pick. There's a bunch of random questions here that I threw out to you. Any one that you uh, would like to start with? Um, I mean, quarterback obviously attracts my attention, but let's go somewhere other than quarterback because I'm sure every listener of this pod and every pod ever has been inundated with that. So how about, um, let's do a random one, bigger need, backup tight end, kicker, or returner. Right. And, and like, obviously, when we talk about the needs for this team, we've all done whether interviews or we're asking people questions. It's so some version of they obviously need a quarterback. Then on defense, the linebacker situation is kind of a mess. Um, they, you know, there's another, they need another wide receiver opposite Terry McLaurin. We could argue left tackle, cornerback, depending on Ronald Darby. These are the things we talk about. But there's other stuff. And these are among the other things. The backup tight end, uh, Logan Thomas, the starter, that was good. Everything else behind him, Jeremy Sprinkle, Marcus Ball, Tamaric Hemingway. If you tell me none of those guys are on the team next year, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Dustin Hopkins has been the kicker for a minute here, but last year was getting leaky enough to the point where you had to start asking Ron Rivera questions about, are you going to do anything else about that position? And then the return game, I know the return game in general in the NFL is not as important, as impactful, especially on kick returns. But, you know, it still feels like Washington hasn't had a real weapon back there in a while. I think Danny Johnson was solid last year. But, you know, th there's not that guy you're like, oh, boy, look out. Here he comes. So random or not, there we go. So, Pete, you, you picked that one. Let's go. What's, what do you think is the biggest need, backup tight end, kicker, or returner? Um, I would probably go with returner just because, I mean, they got to a point last year where we were asking Ron about Steven Sims, and he's like, yeah, he's back there because we don't have any other better option. And I hear your point, Ben, about that – place kind of being mitigated especially on kickoffs because of all the touchbacks but still for an offense that is probably going to still be growing at some point to some extent next year they're going to need as much extra field position as they can get and you are allowed to have a returner who can be dynamic who isn't best case scenario just fair catching the ball and giving it to the referee so finding a receiver on day three or some cornerback on the free agent market who doubles as a really good returner i think would do this team a lot of good didn't there's not a ton of comparisons between Gruden and Rivera. They're very odd, different people. I feel like Jay Gruden made the same comments about so-and-so was back there returning because we or was it Jamison Crowder maybe when he kept yeah. fumbling. Like he's just back there because we need somebody. Uh, so, yeah, it's a totally fair point, Matt. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you know, I, I was going to go a little bit different. Uh, and I would just say backup tight end. I mean, I know it's not a, a sexy position, but you look at what, Washington ran they ran a lot of 11 personnel in 2020 they think they ran it 67 percent of the time is the number I just looked up while Pete was talking and um you know I just to have a, another tight end on the field to be able to be a little bit more multiple I think uh, you know it would help kind of get away from that um, predictability of that Washington's offense has sometimes even though I think Scott Turner did a pretty good job of um mixing things up I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was stunned. I think I assume most people were how, how productive Logan Thomas was last year, but I really thought going into the year that tight end was was the, the worst position on the team. And he obviously made it better, but he also was playing like a hundred percent of the snaps the last few weeks of the season. I think in part because they really didn't have anybody else. He, Logan Thomas is also right. A free agent after next year, um, which not to say you can't resign him, but you know, who knows? I mean, he's also, he's had one really good year in the NFL. So I'm not saying he can't do what he did last year to some degree again, 
Um, if they bring in another receiver, his targets surely go down. But regardless, they still need something more. And you can maybe even argue if they were to draft a, another tight end, say in the third round with one of their two third round picks, I don't think that's a ridiculous move, especially considering Logan Thomas is a uh, free agent after that next year. Yeah, I right. think that that's a very uh, good idea there. You, you see a lot of teams just preparing, thinking a year in advance. They may make a pick that fans will say, wait, that's not a big need, but you look forward the next year, it's going to be a big need if Logan Thomas wants to cash in and has another good 2021. So uh, I like that idea of getting a tight end. It's, it's not as pressing as a linebacker or a second receiver, but when you have two good players at that spot, I think it really ups the potential of your offense. And I'm sure Scott Turner would appreciate that. Uh, added variety added flexibility because jeremy sprinkle he had one catch last year one catch and is useless uh by the way we've got we the podcast has got to go in a different direction because we have breaking news according to adam Schefter, he just reported philadelphia has agreed to trade carson wentz to the indianapolis colts in exchange for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 22 second that could turn into a first uh according to the sources um even when we want to try to get away from the quarterbacks for 10 seconds, <sighs> this, this changes things. Um, I, I guess first reaction, the, the, the destination, not surprising. I think the Colts seem to be the most logical place. And the fact that um, nothing had happened yet, there was that report a week or so ago that things were imminent between the, the bears and the Eagles. If that was the case, it would have happened because the like it was obvious the Colts were not going to rush into anything. They didn't even, I don't think made a, a truly bold move to get Matthew Stafford. So it was just a matter of waiting out, waiting out the Colts to see if they would give, I'm going to guess that this, that this second round pick to concern into a first is probably where things have changed. Um, I never thought that Washington was in play for, for Wentz for all the obvious reasons, the division. And also he wasn't really that good last year mm-hmm. and he makes a lot of money, but in any event, pretty interesting. Uh, and another quarterback out of the division. Yeah, Paris was waving his phone at me. I thought there was like a Denver Nuggets update he wanted to talk about. Like Nikola Jokic just got player of the month. So I'm sorry to uh, block the breaking news of Carson Wentz with my sweet tight end analysis. No, no, no. uh, I I think Paris had another Nuggets uh, little rotation uh, note he wanted to uh, he, he wanted to uh, share did anybody here want Carson Wentz like was anybody thinking hey if so if this is the offer right now if, you, if you're Washington a, a, a 20 21 third they have two of those and a conditional second that could be a first I don't obviously it'll be interesting to see what the terms are to make it a first is it you know games is it starts is it wins I don't know but whatever Carson Wentz is better than anybody on Washington's roster in theory so Matt if that's the offer now that you know would you, if you're Washington, do you make that trade? Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it just sets the market for everyone else. You know, you, you, we talked a lot about the Stafford deal and whether the the compensation, how that affects the rest of the market. But now with this deal, it's not as not as bad. It's a lot more palatable uh, for a team like Washington. You know, you reported the other day that Marcus Mariota might only fetch a fifth round pick. We could talk about that, but you know, giving up, you know, from the Colts position, I, I certainly would do that trade. And I understand why they did it for Washington. I mean, it, it just depends about how much you think Carson Wentz has, has left. And I don't think the Eagles, I mean, maybe they would have traded him in the division, but with Don and McNabb and how bad that went all those years ago, you know, I see why Washington wasn't interested as well. Yeah, uh, for, for sure. Uh, just to, you know, just to stay here, I guess. So now the Eagles, they have Jalen Hurts, 
and they have the sixth pick in the draft. Now, maybe they can stay pat at six and get a quarterback. That's certainly possible. But obviously, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round a year ago. We saw we saw a ton of Jalen Hurts. I wasn't like that blown away by him in college, especially when he was at Alabama. I obviously at Oklahoma, everybody seems to do a lot better. But I was sort of surprised that he went as high as he did. And obviously, he did some decent things last year. But you know, his numbers really by the end weren't that spectacular. So since we're talking about a team in the division. What do you like? Do you, if you, do you think Philly has their quarterback and it hurts, and they can use six on something else, or would you actually think they, if you're doing a mock draft, would actually project them to take a quarterback? I mean, new head coach. It's not entirely a new regime, but anytime there's a new head coach and he's acquiring a quarterback that he didn't select, you always have to uh, look at it. But if they go with the, what Washington did last year, maybe it's Sirianni tries out Hurts for a year, and then if it doesn't work, they can go in the new direction. So I'd say. They're probably not in a rush to win. Um, you already have a talented second rounder in the building. Let's see what he has. And then things go well, then boom, you've got the mobile quarterback of the modern day NFL that fits in really well. And if not, then 2022 is the spot. So I would say number six is going to be used somewhere else other than a passer for the Eagles. But overall, uh, probably good news for Washington fans that the Eagles will be relying on a fairly unproven guy to try and lead that offense next season. So yeah, here, here's what, so Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network just tweeted, the conditional second in 2022 becomes a first if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and the team makes the playoffs. I mean, I guess he would have to be, the injury aside, he'd have to be a disaster to not play 75% of the snaps, right? Because basically yeah. means you're getting benched at some point. Um, so... I guess if the Colts went like three and 10, you could just sit in the last four games of the, or, you know, the, or the last three games of the year or something like that. Well, don't they have not the playoffs too? Well, so it, what the first one says 75% of the snaps or 70% and the team makes the plays. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, whatever that I'm sure nobody, I'm sure the Colts don't want that to happen. They obviously want to win. Um, anyway, interesting. So I guess the other thing we can, we can turn this now back, I guess, into our quarterback discussion. It takes a team off the board for a quarterback. Right now, the Colts are set, whatever. I, well, I'm going to assume whatever Philly does, it's not going to be in this free agent pool that Washington's playing around in. Um, so I asked everybody here, like, basically, we're all having these games of, like, what should Washington do at quarterback? And I, <laughs> it is a crapshoot as far as I'm concerned. I mean, once you got past Stafford, if you could, you could fall in love with any of these guys you want. That could be guys who are on the free agent market, guys who could potentially get traded within reason, I would say, but I don't care for this discussion. Go nuts. You want to trade for Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott or, you know, not to trade for Dak, but, you know, have at it, fine. Or the draft. We don't know what's going to happen at 19, but if you want to trade up, whatever. So I guess I, basically the, the, the question for everybody is just, what do you want to do there? Um, I was thinking maybe everybody could sort of start with our third. So I just said, pick your top three. We could each start with our third guy give a little explanation and kind of go from there. Matt, you want to go uh, first? Like who's, uh, who's number sort of three on your list as far as, uh, again, I don't even want to use the word realistic because I want you to go nuts. I, I promise I won't even yell at you this time if you did. Uh, but the other podcast, yes, this one, this is a safe space. So wait, is realistic number, is realism, realism isn't part of the, the situation here? I mean, I guess if you say at 19, I want them to draft Zach Wilson. I mean, that's probably not realistic. But if you say, hey, I want them to trade up for Zach Wilson, I think that's, sure, even if I, regard, you know, or even if you say, hey, look, if Deshaun, you know, Deshaun Watson, set, screw it, send four picks, Chase Young, whatever you whatever you want to do, um, you know, whatever. So sure. who's your third guy on your list? Yeah, I would put, 
Um, I'm going to reorganize my list based off that criteria. Then I'm going to put Teddy Bridgewater at number three. I think in terms of a realistic option, he's probably, I don't know, the most likely, but he makes the most sense to me, um, you know, just based on what they, they can want to do. They need a quarterback who can move, who can be um, efficient, and he's certainly a guy who can lead a team down the field. I think he makes a lot of sense in terms of practicality. Carolina is desperate to get rid of them. I think that's pretty clear. And so, you know, Bridgewater, Bridgewater is a lot more appealing to me than guys like um, – Marcus Mariota, even a guy like Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just think Bridgewater has a little bit more stability there and a, and a higher ceiling than the rest of those guys. Uh, right. What's his deal? I looked this up the other day, General, but he's got like a pretty high cap number, right? It's like twenty million or something. If you don't know, if you're on the top of your head, don't worry about. It. But I, I mean, it, it does seem like Carolina is being super aggressive trying to get a quarterback. So the question is what do they do with Bridgewater if they go, you know, go figure somebody out, then they've got to, um, um, I guess, how, how do you get rid of him would be the question, which is, uh, doesn't, but look, we're seeing all kinds of crazy stuff. The Eagles just traded Carson Wentz, whose cap hit is bigger than the national debt. So, uh, you know, <laughs> anything is, people are doing weird things, but I, I think that's a reasonable call. And obviously Marty Herney signed this guy a year ago, right? So if Marty Herney liked me or go, it obviously wasn't a great year for Bridgewater. But I don't know, maybe Herney thinks it's some, there's reasons why it could be better and, and you know, the different setup with Scott Turner um, and all that. All right, Pete, who's, uh, who's number three on your list? Uh, brief aside, have you ever gone to the U.S. debt clock on Google and just like you can basically just look at how big the debt is and it counts it down? It's really stressful. So if you want to do that while I'm chatting here, feel free. Uh, my number three option Um <laughs> sort of in Matt's vein, but he mentioned someone that he didn't like more than Bridgewater. I like this guy more than Bridgewater. It is the 38-year-old beard-wearing, interception-throwing, but also touchdown-chucking Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to be cheap. He's going to be very easy to acquire. He's actually played pretty decently for Miami the past two years and was really good. I don't know if really good's fair, but was good last year before they benched him for Tua because they felt like they had to just get Tua in there. So, I think he could be the ideal bridge guy. We've seen Ron say that while we are all pretty obsessed with him finding that answer this off season, he's cool with it going another year and just, you know, building up the roster elsewhere. So I think if you sign Fitzpatrick to a very meager deal and continue to build around him and give him another receiver, he can do well with this defense and he can at least get you to eight wins. Him and Heineke could do some combination, maybe get you to nine or 10 wins and keep the rebuild moving forward. And then after that, you say, thanks Fitzpatrick. Now we have, our real answer. So Ryan is my number three choice. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And I think realistically, despite uh, the person asking the questions, I didn't actually really frank my mind until I started asking you guys, but that's kind of what I was thinking too. Cause like, I mean, I've talked about this a bunch on the podcast. I don't like any of the choices. I don't think, I don't know how anybody can, but I think that I'm just being realistic. Like some of these guys will work and it's just a matter of kind of like, what does Washington think is realistic? Do they really think they are this one quarterback improvement away from really contending? Or is it sort of, they recognize they're still a little bit ways off. Maybe they don't take that five winning five of the last seven regular season games as sign of where they really are at and are willing to sort of still go a little bit slower. But Fitzpatrick, I think does give you that hybrid of, um, he can win games for you now, but probably won't cost a ton. Also, Ron Rivera talks a lot about leadership and it, it seems obvious. And he, he defined leadership in multiple ways, including 
the way that the players rallied around Taylor Heineke, who obviously wasn't leading the team, but they rallied around his mojo, I guess. And clearly everybody loves Fitzpatrick, all the players, whatever team he's on seem to really get into Fitz magic. So uh, yeah, I would down to that. And plus, come on, Fitz magic. I mean, how, we all want that in our, in our life yeah. on a regular basis. Uh, it's always Ryan Fitzpatrick games are always fun and that is not a bad way to go. So um, I like that for sure. Um, as a, as a third, uh, as a third option, I'm down, I'm down with that. Um, Matt, let's go back to you. Number two on the Matt Paris, uh, wish quarterback wish list for the Washington football team. Well, it won't happen, but, uh, you know, if Dak Prescott were to ever hit the market for some reason, you know, he's, he's a star, you know, I, there's a lot of debate whether Dak Prescott can lead a team like that, but I, I think he can. And so, uh, you know, I, if he were to hit the market somehow, then, He's the type of quarterback that you would you would pay for if he were to ever hit it. But I mean, just the realities of the NFL is he's not going to hit it. And so, uh, I know that's a little bit of a moot point, but I just a guy like Prescott, I think that is what they should be looking for if they you can find that in the draft. Yeah, totally sure. This came up the other day because I think I think I heard like Tony Kornheiser threw this out on PTI. Could you swap if 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 everybody's having issues with the two Texas teams? With their quarterbacks, obviously, this will never happen for a hundred reasons. You don't trade these guys in the division, little in states, even worse. But hypothetically, just I'm curious from a how you view them standpoint. Deshaun Watson versus Dak Prescott. Dak is coming off the injury or is dealing with the rehab, so that's going to warp it a little bit. But would you view them as equal? In other words, if they were both healthy, could you trade one for the other, or do you view Deshaun as just better than Dak, or maybe the other way around, and therefore one team would have to give up picks? I'm just sort of doing this from a baseline of. If everybody's focused on Deshaun and Washington should throw 27 picks at him to get him, what would the actual, if you, what, what how do people view Dak? Where, where is he, Pete? Where would you, what would you say on that? In Washington's kind of vacuum, I think it makes more sense for them to get Prescott because they'll just be paying a lot of money as opposed to draft picks. But when you just compare them straight up, I think Watson is uh, a, definitely a tier up from Prescott. He can be a top five, top three guy and maybe do it not all on his own, but has more of the capability to lift an offense on his own. I love Dak. I, I get the respect factor, the leadership factor, and he was really, really good last year and was really, really good the year before. But I just think he needs a little more of a cushion, sort of a system around him while Watson just has the insane talent and mobility and athleticism just kind of makes something out of nothing. So Dak is a B plus, A minus to me, but Watson can be the A plus 100 out of 100. So a little more love for the Houston QB. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right, like yeah, Dak Prescott. Oh, I was going to say, we've seen what Dak Prescott can do with talent around him. And we've seen what Deshaun Watson can do with no talent around him. (laughs) You know, Watson has led the league in passing yards and his top receiver last year was Will Fuller and the guy next to that. I mean, they cut Kenny Stills midway through. I couldn't even name their second receiver right now off the top of my head. And so just what Watson is able to do, it is a higher ceiling for sure. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, all right, so uh, Pete, your number two quarterback on the on this wish list. My number two and my number one are both from the same place. It's a place I've never been to, but I sure hope to go to soon. And maybe Ben can join me when this world cleans Ooh. up. It is out out I in Vegas. I've heard Ben loves that city. Oh, I do. I'm sure that city is as tantalizing as it seems from the East Coast. Marcus Mariota would be my second because I think he's going to be fourth, fifth rounder, probably just a, a simple trade like that. And I get that John Kime has done some good reporting. If John, you can hear me turn up your volume. I'm giving you some credit here, you old man. Um, that Marcus's contract isn't as 
gorgeous as it seems up front because if he plays for Washington, it's going to get more expensive. But regardless, like Fitzpatrick, I think the ceiling there, while limited, it also means the floor is pretty high. Um, I like his mobility. I understand it's risky to put the trust in a guy who had one really nice relief appearance last year and assumed he could do that for 16 games. But regardless, I like Mariota as a fit based on the compensation. And again, if it doesn't work out, you move on. But if it does work out, then that's a sneaky little play. And he could at least maybe be a long-term option, at least a mediocre long-term option to solid because he's only 27. So Mariota is my numero dos. Yeah, um, he, he doesn't make my top three, but he'll sort of connect with my number one uh, because, um, you know, I'll, I guess I'll just explain why that in a minute. And just to sort of re- reiterate to anybody who didn't hear uh, what I had in my previous podcast and what I wrote the other day on The Athletic, like I talked to, because I, I was hearing different sort of wild views on like what Mariota's cost would be in a trade. For one, they don't actually have to trade him. They may just end up releasing him because the Raiders have to, at some point, make a, they, they basically can't keep him and keep Derek Carr. It's just going to be too much money. Just even, even if he doesn't hit his uh, bonuses and escalator clauses and things, it's just a lot of money for a backup. And, and they got some cap issues out there. Um, and they also could potentially release him to then try to resign him themselves. Um, that That's something to, to, to consider. Um, he makes sense here. I think, oh, anyway, it's, some league sources thought a fifth round pick would be sort of in line for him. Doesn't necessarily definitively mean a fifth, but like not a two, not a second round pick. So something day three, round five seems reasonable because again, the contract, like we, we just mentioned, it's not completely cheap if he's your starter. And two, the Raiders are kind of in a bind. They have to kind of get rid of him. So you don't have to give Oakland, or the, Oakland. you don't have to give Vegas overpay again this guy a year ago nobody wanted him to be their starter he played one game (laughs) like I mean it's not like he's done that much to all of a sudden be like wow here we go so yeah I I I think he's interesting and he is the type of quarterback I would want which I'll get more to um in a minute uh here's number two for me this is a generic call and that is trade up in the draft for a rookie now I say that generically because i if, if, as some people have done, like I think Todd McShay's mock had the quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. I don't know if Washington <laughs> would have realistically enough assets trade up all the way up to there. But if one of these quarterbacks starts to fall a little bit, and by that I'm sort of meaning Trey Lance and Justin Fields, if one of them sorts fall a little bit, get back get, get somewhere in the six to 12 range. Uh, Dane Brugler did a mock draft the other day in which he had Washington trade up to the seventh pick and they gave up a first and a third well they gave up the 19th pick then a future then a a three this year and a future one and i was thinking about it like washington offered detroit a first and a third for stafford now that's a veteran proven quarterback with what only had like two years left on his deal maybe you extend him or whatever but if you're willing to do that for a guy who obviously would improve you right now but you've now already put in your mindset we're willing to spend that much money I think the best the, the best realistic hope to get an upside play here is with through the draft because all the other guys are broken or misfit toys, broken pieces and whatever. So if you like Justin Fields or Trey Lance enough and they're there and that first and that extra first and third gets it done, I probably say go do it. You have Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke to go through this year and you just have to make a call. We're this year probably therefore not contending for the NFC for the NFC uh, title, which maybe they're not anyway, but like. That would, I think that's if I if I want to get this thing done long term, and I'm already willing to move the first and the third. I, I think that's what that's what I would do. I like now, it. the cost, I like it a lot. 
Uh, the cost isn't too bad. It just is a matter of which one um, to trade up for. And I think the top two are pretty set in stone and unattainable. But, I mean, is Justin Fields, is Kyle Trask, you know, neither of these guys yet to me, I, I have to do a little bit more digging. But I don't know if they're worth surrendering that type of capital to, to trade up for. Well, yeah, I mean, Trask will be, he, he's, he's not projected in round one. Like, you could hypothetically wait at 19 and get Mac Jones. I saw somebody, I think it was former Hawaii coach June Jones, a noted passing guru, said he likes to think Mac Jones the best of any of the quarterbacks in this draft, which I, including Trevor Lawrence, which I think was what? interesting. I think I read that somewhere. Um, I think Eric yeah. Edholm from Yahoo, I think, talks to him. Um, some people like him, some people don't. I think he's considered more of a stationary quarterback and maybe – it doesn't fit as well with what Scott Turner wants to do here, but uh, I don't know if that's a big barrier. So you could maybe stay at 19, but yeah, that is the ultimate question. Trey Lance is a complete and utter massive wild card considering his background at, at you know, a, a lower level of college football. He played one game this year. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're going to trade up for that. That is a massively crazy evaluation to make. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if Washington currently has somebody that saw him in person this year uh, in, at that game. So it's a big question for sure. Justin Fields to me was more up and down, but some people think he's the number two quarterback in the draft. On our pod, I made the mistake of making the bull prediction that Washington would stay at 19 and get Trey Lance. And you would have thought I said, I hope COVID never goes away. The backlash I got from people on every platform screaming at me. Have you ever watched football? That's not going to happen. It's a bold prediction. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't get to vent about it on our show. So I'm doing it here. Ben, you can continue with your program. Well, look, I mean, to, to the point, let's go back to 2019. What was everybody saying a week before the draft? Will Drew Locke be the second quarterback picked going ahead of Dwayne Haskins or that Daniel Jones would be the fourth quarterback? Is he made him go into round one? Daniel Jones, what goes six? Drew Locke falls all the way out of the first round. And some people think if Haskins doesn't go 15, he also falls out of the first round. So what, what, predict, what, what are predictions now? But I always say that the, the mock draft world or the pundits in general – catch up to where the teams already are so the teams will at some point just make a determination on Trey Lance maybe he's a top five pick or maybe they think how can we possibly take a guy at this scenario anywhere close to those picks um so yeah we'll see about that I would think unlikely he's there at 19 but I wouldn't I wouldn't completely uh, make funny maybe a little bit but not completely (laughs) um all right so let's get to uh our number ones Mr. Paris who you got um, you know, I'm going to switch this. I had Deshaun Watson there, but I just want to give up what it would take to get him. So uh, I'm going to steal Pete's number one and I'm going to go Derek Carr. Uh, you know, he just makes a lot of sense. I've been really impressed with the way that this guy has been able to improve throughout his career. He's always been accurate. It seems like he's a little bit at least more willing to take shots down the field, but he's just a competent quarterback. And he's shown that he can run an elite level offense. I mean, what Las Vegas did last year with, you know, Nelson Aguilar led them in receptions or led the receivers in receptions. Obviously they have Darren Waller, but you know, just that kind of high upside ceiling. Uh, He thrives behind a great offensive line. Washington's offensive line, I think is respectable. He just, he's that type of quarterback who I think can take advantage of a really great defense because, you know, we've seen, in Vegas or I guess in Oakland when Carr had a great defense they were 12 and 4 that year and so he's the type of quarterback who I think can really raise a team ceiling like that 
what would yeah. you uh so if, if if the raiders say okay we'll give us 19 and a future like maybe like this maybe like this colts thing i got 20 a second round pick but it's a conditional first if he plays x amount of yeah i would snaps do that. Or, would you do that would you give up if, uh, potentially two first round picks for him um yeah i would i, I would start with you know make the stafford offer but even even maybe giving up two thirds so you're you know, Washington has two third round picks, so a first and a third and a third. And give up three draft picks, but have them be later or something like that. Uh, something in, like, in, in that range, maybe then two firsts, but I think it's really good. Got it. Now, Matt, if you want to put your camera back on for this part, uh, Pete, since Matt just stole your idea, you can either A, comment on that, or B, just throw in a Matt Pear story you'd like to tell the world as a way to get back at him for that. It's up to you. Um, I'll start with my analysis and try to simultaneously think of a Matt Paris story. I actually think I have one since I tweeted about it last night, um, but I'm going to go with Carr as well. I'm not sure I would do for two first rounders, but if it was a first rounder and one of Washington's linemen, D linemen, then I think I would go that far. Of course, not young or sweat, but any of the guys in the interior, because I'm just not sure how you can keep all of them in DC for the long term. But yeah, maybe there's the Ben Standig of the athletic who covers the Raiders can tell me, the flaws about Carr that I can't see from just watching him generally, but you just look at his numbers, his durability, his improvement. I mean, that guy would kill it here. He would be such a massive upgrade over what this team has had in the past couple of seasons. I know a lot of people would, but Carr, I just think people are sleeping a bit on what this whole operation could look like with a really good quarterback. We're so used to things having to be just perfect with Alex Smith and perfect with Case Keenum and Josh Johnson, all these other names. Carr is good enough where he can deal with a crappy game from your secondary or, you know, a receiver's out and he can make up for it. So Derek Carr is my number one option. And as for a Matt Paris story, uh, there's a hill out in Ashburn that we have to walk down each day to get to the practice field. And one day it was a little muddy and we all thought it was going to be Chris Russell who was going to fall. And we were turning around looking for Chris Russell to fall. He never got there. And then we saw Paris out in the distance. We kind of waved to him. We turned back to watch practice and then Paris comes up to us and says guys I just fell on that hill over there and he didn't have to tell us that but he did but regardless we missed it and I will forever rue the day that I didn't get to watch Matt Paris tumble down a muddy hill in Ashburn and uh I'm just sad sad about it it keeps me up at night right <laughs> as, as as people who listen to this podcast know I'll, I'll ask some random questions so yeah so that's a good random question Pete what would you have rather seen the first moment that Alex Smith back from his leg injury, took a snap, or Matt Paris falling down the hill? Look, I mean, the Smith thing has a lot more cachet, and it will do well, like when I tell my grandkids about it. But for me personally, just for my own happiness, Paris falling and getting mud on his cool tan jacket and then having to get up and, like, brush himself off, I just can't imagine how funny that was in real time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, we, 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 it was a mix of snow and mud. Yeah, it was everything. It was a lot. <laughs> you got it all. <laughs> uh, I, uh, Matt, I mean, I'll trust me, especially when the weather was getting dicey. Every time we went down that hill, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be the day I, I bite it. Uh, I, I was worried about it constantly. No, no, uh, no, no, no doubt about it. So sorry it was you, but fortunately for you, nobody, uh, <laughs> nobody noticed. Um, all right. For, for, for my number one, I'll, I'll, I'll go away from Derek Carr, though. I don't disagree with that. And um, I guess I would say to people on him, if you're sort of going to trash him, you don't need it would be great to have Aaron Rodgers but you don't have to have Aaron Rodgers but just because somebody isn't Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean they're a significant upgrade to what's here and pretty good you don't have I mean 
Uh, obviously, we just went through a situation where Pat Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are the ones in the end. Um, and Josh Allen is now ascending. But you don't have to have that guy. You have to have somebody who's good. And that's like the thing with like Stafford. It's not he's like the best. He's totally solid. I think Carr is sort of somewhere in that range and it would be an upgrade over what they have. But the cost would ultimately be the thing. And I also don't think the Raiders are moving on from him would be my guess. Um, so number one for me, it just goes in line with my basic philosophy. They have a decent baseline currently in terms of like a backup quarterback slash a guy that could start a game if you need to with the assuming they're going to keep Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke. Therefore, I don't want the safe guy. I don't want the Andy Dalton. I don't want the Tyrod Taylor. I'm shooting for the upside. I don't know if I'll get there, but I'm shooting for somebody who is going to give me the hope based on what they, they were drafted high at one point. They've shown potential, but it just didn't work out for wherever they were. I think Mariota is like that. I think Mitch Trubisky is like that. But for me, the answer would be uh, Jameis Winston. Now, I've said before, I don't think Jameis Winston is probably getting out of New Orleans. I think it makes too much sense for both of them to, for, to, to agree to a deal. But he will be a free agent. Um, you know, I had, uh, well, I sort of posed this to somebody in the you know, league source the other day, and, and that's who they said they would go for. You know, the interceptions are outrageous. <laughs> but the, so is the actual production. And, you know, he, he put up huge numbers his last year as a starter in Tampa, you know, I'm not going to say he's figured it all out being around Sean Payton for a year, but, you know, you'd like to think that helps him a little bit. And like I said, I'm just going for the upside. And I just think with Winston, it's the best combination of potential cost. Um, you know, he's still a young guy. And I think to me, that's what I'm looking for if I'm, if I'm Washington. They don't need to be conservative, I don't think, with that spot. They just they need to go for something big because at this point there's really just isn't but I mean something big within reason I don't mean trading twelve picks for Deshaun Watson but like that's a you know aim big with with the with the realistic options I have so for me I'd go Winston but I doubt he's made available which is where then Mariota and Trubisky I think sort of become the default spots in, in that case. I like the upside play. Yeah, would you rather have Trubisky or Mariota? Look, I, I'd be lying if I said I watched enough of either this year to, to say, you know, I don't know how it was for you guys, but like, you know, Washington was, you know, every, every time the game, I, I was, other than like the Sunday night, the Monday night game, it was, or maybe I guess the Thursday, like it was hard for me to watch a ton of other stuff. So the Bears were not high on my list of teams to watch. Um, I did have on uh, our Bears and writer Kevin Fishbane the other day, and he, he said he actually, he kind of likes the marriage of Scott Turner and, and Trubisky, and he kind of was, optimistic on Trubisky that like when the Bears geared the offense towards the thing he does well rollouts things like that that he did well it's just that in other times they didn't and they didn't seem to be fully committed to doing what he does best so he thinks maybe in another spot he could so I think he's interesting um I guess Trubisky would call he wouldn't cost me picks right I can get him as a free agent word Marietta maybe he'll cost me a pick yeah, I mean, the only times that I've been kind of impressed with Trubisky is when he either played the Lions or um, when he would play here and carve them up on Monday night. <laughs> that, you know, there's just not consistency there. And uh, another thing I think we haven't really talked about with any of these quarterbacks is, you know, Mariota and Trubisky both have injury history. And we talk about moving on from Alex Smith because of his uncertainty there. Um uh, you know, I think it's both. I, I wouldn't be confident in either of those guys making a lasting a full 16 games. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so per usual, the, the, this podcast is going. I don't. How do, I don't even know how we. I, have we talked this long already? I don't even understand how this happens. I, I don't know. I don't know where we are. How this has happened either. I know it's been fun, but yeah, it's just been flying by. It's already been like forty minutes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how this works. This is always happens with me. All right, so let, let's do this. I'm going to sort of get to a couple of random things, and then I'll and I'll get the guys out of here on something else. So let's get to the random section of this. Uh, the random questions. They don't know what's coming. Nobody cares. All right, you ready? I I just went to the grocery store before before this because it's the weather here. DC is getting dicey. I was like, oh, I have nothing in my house. I have stuff, but nothing I really wanted to eat, so I had to go buy crap. So among the things I bought were pop tarts. Not an not a go to. Uh, not something I get regularly, but I treated it like a snow day. Therefore, I'm allowed to do something. Pop tarts. Do you toast or do you just eat it straight out of the wrapper? How about this? I'm gonna go toast here. I go, I go option three. I put it in the freezer for about 10 minutes. I like, I like it cold. Um, wow. But, and I would say toast is my third choice. I like it room temp second, but cold. And then you combine that with a cold glass of milk. Oh my God. Sensations are incredible. Wow. I, I haven't had a glass of milk, like as a standalone thing. I've had milk and syrup, but <laughs> in actual drinking a glass of milk, I couldn't even begin to remember the last time I had, I had that. Uh, I, I did toast these. But I generally prefer room temperature uh, is, where I, is where I go. But like I was cold coming back inside and I felt like I had coffee and I wanted more warmth. So I went, I heated it up almost just to like hold it as much as anything else. You're just petting the... Yes, yeah. I mean, just like hell yeah, I just held it in my hand for a little bit just to, uh, instead of a hand warmer, I just had the Pop-Tart help, helping my cause. Um, all right, I asked... I asked Kime the other day when I had him on the podcast a version of this question, but I'll ask you guys more broadly. What I asked him was, based on all of his years of being on the football team beat, who is somebody's opinion that somebody who had been in the room as a beat writer or TV or whatever, somebody who had been around, who had been in the room, whose, whose opinion he would take essentially on the team, we could say sports broadly, whose opinion he would be willing to take as his own. He didn't really give me an actual answer. But I'll ask you guys a version of this. Who is a person, it doesn't have to be from the beat, but who is the person just in general, in sports or whatever, you want to say your uncle, you have to explain why, but who is somebody whose sports opinion you would take as your own because you just value what they what, what they say? Who, who would that be? It doesn't have to know them. It could be Stephen A. Smith, anybody you want. Uh, I'll just I'll give you a second to think. This isn't so much on the football team at all, but I was thinking about this. I was going to go with Michael Lee, who uh, used to be with me at the Athletic, but now the Washington Post. I always am in lockstep with him on the Wizards and other life things as well. So in the 10 seconds I thought about it, I'm giving you guys about three seconds, I came up with him. He's really always, always so smart with what he thinks. And uh, like I said, on the Wizards stuff, I, you know, I'm always in lockstep. So I just went for Michael Lee. What, 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 about, uh, what about you guys? I'll, yeah, I'll stick with well, for basketball, I'll do Zach Lowe just because, I mean, he's so knowledgeable about everything. But for football, I really like Kevin Clark. I just think his insights on the league and where it's headed is pretty accurate most of the time. So whenever he says something, I make sure to listen. And so I would say Kevin Clark for that. All right. I, I promise I'm not sucking up to someone on our beat, but I think Michael Phillips has a very unique way of looking at things. And even some of the stories he writes, like he was – all over the jerseys that were like being torn early on in the year. I don't know if you remember when those pictures came out like three weeks in a row of like Gibson's jersey being ripped and then Carson Wentz's jersey getting ripped and Montez Sweat. 
he's just goofy, but also can be very serious. So I like Michael Phillips and I try to kind of take notes from him. And then I also like Josh Norris just for general NFL. Um, just he likes Antonio Gibson. And I think that just kind of sums up his, he understands who's going to be, you know, useful and fits in in today's NFL and who's kind of a dinosaur. And that's what I'm trying to do. So Josh Norris nationally, but Michael Phillips is a Washington guy. Just love that. Love that dude's insight. Very creative, very funny, very snarky. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is, uh, I, I, I asked the group for thoughts. This is a Pete Haley question. Mm. Uh, since we unfortunately were not allowed in the locker room this year because of the COVID situation, but hopefully if we're fortunate, we will be next year. Uh, but who is a favorite random player on the team to chat with? So specifically, I guess we're saying the Washington football team doesn't have to be somebody who's currently still on the team. Um, ran, favorite random player to chat with? Pete, who, who you got? Yeah, when I thought of this question, I had Case Keenum in mind, and he was prickly and kind of a D-bag and wasn't very fun to talk to on the podium, but I loved how he acted in the locker room. He was so funny on the ping pong table. He would, like, you know, pants people when they were playing and, and like, smack the paddle. He had, like, a goofy high five with Tressway after big doubles points with the paddle, some uh, specific way of hitting it and doing this cool uh, ritual. And then the best part was him, Tress, Nick Sundberg, and Hopkins had a trophy for their ping pong doubles matches. And it was like a real trophy that they had kind of messed with. And one day we were like, Case, what is that? How'd you get that? He's like, oh, it's my Conference USA like championship trophy. He took like this somewhat sacred Conference USA artifact and turned it into his dumb locker room ping pong hardware. And I just appreciate that so much. So Case Keenum didn't do a lot here. Will never be remembered as Washington player. But man, he made me laugh a lot and just had kind of an immature way about him that I really enjoyed. <laughs> All right. Uh, definitely was not expecting a Case Keenum reference in this in this realm, but I, I appreciate the uh, the reasoning why. Matt, who you got? <laughs> you know, I'm sure you guys expect me to pit Chris Thompson. That's a running gag on our beat. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a different name. Uh, Anthony, Anthony Lanier. I love that dude. He was great to talk to. Um, he called me Seth Rogen once, and so that's kind of how <laughs> it started. He would just call me Seth. He eventually learned my name, but he was just a real chill dude to talk to. Um, I was sad when he got cut for um, Caleb. Oh, what was his name? Caleb Brantley. Brantley, yeah. And, um, but, yeah, no, Anthony Lanier is a great dude, and he, he was fun to talk to. I also really miss Prashad Breeland in that locker room for yeah purposes it's amazing how different i mean obviously we weren't there this year but the cornerback the secondary side like between josh norman breland and some others like that was always sort of the loud just dj Swearinger. like that was the yeah. loud part of the locker room and then uh, all those guys are gone and it's a, a different vibe landon collins is, is much more chill kendall fuller as well um uh but sure okay those are good answers uh i i went with and i don't think you guys i think you guys will understand kind of why i went with ryan anderson I mean, because yeah. right, part of it is evolution. He was a guy who, when he first came to the team, didn't want to talk at all. Like, he literally said, like, I'm out. I'm not talking. And then, like, one day at training camp, like, a year or so later, he it's not that he just started talking. He started giving, like, really interesting, playful responses. And then he started giving people nicknames. He calls Les Carpenter scribbles because yep. if you look at Les taking notes, it looks like a serial killer. Just no idea what's even being written on the on the page. Uh, what did he call me? Uh, slick slick son, of a, son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just like out of the blue. And he just like, yeah, he just became a fun guy to talk to. And then, of course, we had a famous moment. I don't think Matt will care if I say. There was like 
10 of us in the locker room one day and Matt goes over to talk to Ryan Anderson about something. Is it Ryan Anderson? Who else was there? Uh, it was Preston Smith. Preston Smith. And uh, we'll bring back Matt the story to give the story a fuller context some other day. But like, uh, basically we look over and all of a sudden Ryan Anderson stands up to like write to Matt as if like, oh man, I think something's mm. about to go down. And I'm looking around going, there's not enough people in here to do anything about this. There's not even <laughs> players and none of us are going to be able to stop this. And obviously he, he then immediately broke character and started laughing with Matt and we all had a sigh of relief, but yeah, he, he was, he, he became a lot of fun. So it's possible he's back. Not going to bet on it, but it's possible. Um, he's back. Um, last question. And this one is a less random. One of the ones I had sort of threw to you guys before, but we're going to run out of time. So we can kind of go through this uh, kind of quick. Uh I guess let's just go to the wide receiver question. Uh, the, I think everybody would probably say wide receiver Washington kind of needs one in some capacity. But you could argue you could go spend big spend big money, whether that's $18 million on Allen Robinson or even, like, I'm just making up a number here, $8, 9000000 if that's what it takes to get a Curtis Samuel or a T.Y. Hilton, something of significance, not just bringing in Cody Latimer and Dontrell Inman is, like, my point. Or go to the draft. And, like, uh, like, like several of us mocked, Kadarius Tony, the Florida wide receiver to Washington in 19. I say like I mean, Kuiper, McShay, Daniel Jeremiah. I joined in that parade. Uh, it, it's something I did. So like you could go down that route. And also you could even go wait further. This is a deep draft, supposedly. You could wait until day two, maybe even the, the fourth round and go that route. You're going younger, but the more cost effective. You've got to pay Terry McLaurin in a couple of years in theory. So I'll give you guys that choice. Matt, I'll go to you first. What do you want to do there? Are you, you spending big at receiver for the number two guy, or are you going to wait and go in the draft? I would spend big. I mean, I just – I was looking at this the other day. There are just so many great names out there. Even if Chris Godwin gets franchise tags, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel, even a guy like Nelson Aguilar, who I think could be affordable. You know, he had a really nice year in Las Vegas as well. Um, there's just a lot of in- intriguing names out there, and – I think Washington kind of needs that gadget guy to, to put around the field um, as well. To, someone opposite Terry McLaurin, but even someone in the slot. Uh, uh, Steven Sims had a disappointing year, so they need kind of upgrades all throughout that position. So, you know, I, I would spend there. I like your point, Seth Rogan. I think, I mean, you can go even further. You have Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe Jamison Crowder. I mean, there's going to be so many options. And say Godwin and, you know, Galladay and Robinson, I know they're – ideal fits, but all three of them could be franchise tagged. It's, it's kind of assumed they might get uh, on the open market, but their teams all have reasons to keep them around. But say that happens, maybe that's the best case scenario for Washington because then you can spend good money on two players as opposed to huge money on one. Maybe you can get two of those guys we've talked about and, and really flush out your offense. Uh, the draft is, of course, tempting. You They've had a really good history recently of finding weapons in the third round, and, and you've seen guys thrive in the third, fourth round all across the league. But uh, this is the time, I think, to spend money on the free agent market. It's pick your flavor. It's whatever you want is available. Will Fuller to have another speed search. Just so many options. They got the cap room for it. Time to address this position with free agency. Uh, you don't need to be like Vinny Serrato days where you're throwing cash at everybody, but throw some cash at these really talented players and watch your offense ascend rather quickly, hopefully. Yeah, I, I guess, I'm, you know what, I'm not even going to answer this. I've, I've, I've addressed this before in other podcasts. You can go listen to that because we I need to get these guys out of here. Uh, I think it's basically, I think I, for me, what's interesting is I don't like spending a ton of money at receiver 
relative to the overall salary cap, and you're going to have to pay Terry McLaurin in two years. So if you spend big on a guy now, what does that do going forward? But at the same time, if you're going to have a lesser quarterback, you do need more help to help that player. And a rookie could come in and do well. We've seen that recently, but at the same time, you need some a little more stability probably at that spot. So I think it's an interesting decision for the team. And like I said, you can listen to some of the other podcasts where I've kind of hit on this with Dane Brugler just this week, in fact. Uh, fellas, you guys delivered the, 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 the yucks and the fun as predicted. I appreciate it. Uh, Matt, anything people need to know about your world, things to read, where to find you, all that stuff? Uh, you can find me in the Washington Times. I'm doing a lot of wizard stuff recently, so check that out as well. Peter? Uh, I'm on TikTok, Pete's Player Props. I'm trying to get that account up. I give out gambling plays and do a bunch of goofy stuff. Ben says he likes it. Hopefully others do as well. Yeah, I like I like how you promoted that, not your actual actual job. I like that. That's better. <laughs> I, I promote this podcast. I'm I, it's not actually part of my job either. Um, all right, uh, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yep, thank you. All right, as promised, uh, joining us here on the Standing Room Only podcast, special guest. He's a a colleague at the Athletic, but more importantly, a former uh, NFL general manager, longtime executive. He's an analyst, and he's somebody who was. Uh, you know, sometimes talks about the Washington football team. That is uh, Mike Lombardi. Mike, how, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Appreciate you having me. Uh, I am an old uh, Washington football team fan growing up. I live in a little beach town called uh, Ocean City, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, Vince Lombardi left the Packers in 69 and he went to the Washington then called Redskins. And, uh, I, could, I still have a picture of the sign that that they a sheet that said SOS save our skins hire Lombardi, and the next year they did in '69 and they had Jurgensen and then he died in '70 and then I stayed a, a Washington fan until I got employed by the 49ers in '84. <laughs> well, you you at least saw some good things because by '84 they just won the Super Bowl, so at least you saw some good things and you haven't had to endure what's gone on for the last 20 years like a lot of a lot of people that. Uh, <laughs> that I'm familiar with. Um, but anyway, um, I wanted to obviously talk about this team and some other things around, around the league. And you, uh, you know, as can happen, you, you helped create some buzz around here with some, with some comments about Marcus Mariota. And, and I think you've subsequently talked about that since I wanted to sort of jump into that and, and, and come at it in a specific way. And just for people to uh, just some quick background, you were talking on to VSIN and you in the, discussion I think you were mostly talking about the Raiders you said you said quote I know there's one team in the NFC East the Washington football team that's extremely interested in Mariota you then uh, and everybody here I think knows at this point Mariota the backup of the Raiders he's got one year left on his deal a little under 11 million dollars they either likely have to cut him or trade him but you know pretty soon here and that's kind of we're all wondering what's going to happen you then subsequently talked to Pat McAfee on his show and, and said that uh, you talked about why Mariota is a little more expensive than what I just said, because with the various clauses in there, if he actually starts for a team, it's getting around tw- closer to $20 million. And you also said, uh, quote, Washington was interested. I don't think they're interested anymore. Here's what I'm wondering before we even get to the Mariota specifics. You've been a GM before. So what happens when you're in a room and you're trying to think of plans and then somebody like you makes a says a rumor or something or puts a report out there like that what happens inside the room when these things happen because this is going to happen between now free agency the draft it's going to happen a lot does does that matter to people in that room or how does it change anything if at all 
I, I don't think he can react to the noise. I mean, look, uh, it, it, am I breaking any news by saying Washington is looking for a quarterback? No. And so if they're looking for a quarterback, they should kick the tires on Marcus Mariota. The guy was the second overall pick in the draft. He had some good moments in Tennessee. He had some down moments. He came in off the bench uh, this year uh, and played as well as I've ever seen him play. You know, and he's very athletic. He's healthy. He's been able to stay healthy. He's got a lot of redeeming qualities. So for Washington to kick the tires on him, it only makes sense. Washington knew long before I reported about his contract that his contract was probably going to have to get torn up before they could start anew. So it's just all part of the process. I mean, it's no secret they're going to kick the tires on every quarterback. I mean, they were in the Matthew Stafford thing. They're going to be aggressive. I mean, they have a good team that doesn't have a quarterback. Um, and just to go back to sort of what it's like being on the on, inside the room. So what, what is like a general feeling or all these rumors and reports that come out again, there will be tons for all, for all the teams. Is it annoyance? Is it frustration? Is it comical? Is, is it, is it often like, really, that's, that's what people are reporting. That's not even remotely close. Like, I know it's all relative to the report, but like, what's the, what's the general sense, even if you're sort of dismissing it to a degree, but like, how do you, what, what is the general mood when it, the world is talking about you sort of in, in that way? Well, I mean, I think that, you, you know, look, look, usually when you're reporting something, it's usually probably a two or three days later than it's actually was really a hot off topic. So I'm not sure anybody in Washington thought, oh, well, you know, that's an old story, you know, because they probably just felt like they needed to, you know, they need to keep doing their due diligence, keep doing what they had to do and keep trying to find the answers. The more, most important thing has nothing to do with, has nothing to do with, uh, with uh, what the report is. It has everything to do with getting the quarterback situated. So to that end, we talk incessantly on this podcast and everywhere else in town about the quarterback circumstance for Washington. You mentioned kind of just a little bit there about what you thought about Mariota. Uh, just within the last couple of hours, the Eagles finally traded away Carson Wentz to the Colts. Doesn't I don't think anybody thought Carson Wentz was in play here, but it does take off one team off the quarterback market uh, in the in the Colts at least. What does what do you think that sort of that Wentz deal maybe does for the overall? quarterback market and and I guess kind of maybe just what are your thoughts about what Washington's kind of best options are at this point well I mean look Washington's got the draft ahead of them they still have some options in terms of maybe they can get into Sam Darnold if he's available if they can match their price uh you know there's all sorts of rumors whether it's you know Deshaun Watson whether it's Russell, all these rumors that play out, you know, they're going to be involved in it. And I think that every trade of a quarterback is uniquely different. The Matthew Stafford deal was about, about Goff's contract, right? Taking that on. Right. The Wentz deal was about taking on a broken quarterback and a contract. So that deal separates itself, you know? And so, and then every other quarterback along the lines would be vastly different. You know, what do we do there? What happens? You know, how does this play? You know, like if you wanted to trade for Drew Locke, I'm sure Denver would trade Drew Locke to Washington, but certainly you're not, you know, it would have to be a second, a third day pick if you were one, even wanted to make that trade. You know, trade for Mariota would have to be a third day pick. Trading for Derek Carr would be a different price. I mean, it's all different prices based on everything. Um, so having been, again, in, in, you've been in front offices for many years and, th and you think about the game from, I would imagine from that personnel executive uh, angle. So what do you, what do you see when you see Washington right now? They, they just re-signed Taylor Heineke. 
uh, the, a, a modest deal that would suggest he's uh, the backup or some backup, but you know, who knows? We'll see. Maybe he is in play for, for, for the starting mix. Uh, we all assume Kyle Allen is likely to stay around an exclusive rights free agent. Alex Smith is a bit of a wild card that can kind of go in, in a couple of different directions. And then you mentioned free agency, you mentioned the draft as you sit there and look at Washington, is there an, is there something that stands out to you as to based on where they are as a team, either a specific quarterback or even just a general direction that you would take them in? Well, I, I mean, look, I, I think the direction is it's not about finding the guy that has a specific quality. It's about finding the right guy, you know, finding the guy that you think that you can structure your team around. I wrote a column for the athletic today about, you know, we often confuse this quarterback idea that he's the franchise quarterback. Well, Peyton Manning went to three conference championship games uh, and just won one Super Bowl. You know, he won two, went to two, won one, lost one. You know, for a 12-year career, as dominant as he was, do you think that was really good enough? I don't, you know. I think it takes a team, and that's what Washington has. They have a really good team without a quarterback. That's a pretty good place to be in. So if they could find somebody that could come in and fill the void to, to be their Kirk Cousins, for a lack of a better word, guy that comes in in the fourth round that can come in and execute and make plays or their Dak Prescott, then all of a sudden the rest of the players on the team can carry. No one, no one takes a team to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers couldn't take the Packers to the Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson, people want to give up three number ones for Deshaun Watson. They want to give up three number twos. They want to give away their whole team. But let's remember that Deshaun Watson won four games for the Texans this year. You know, as great as he is, and he's tremendous, it takes a team. I think that last point on Deshaun is a, is a great point. Obviously, he didn't have a lot to work with, but that's sort of the point that the quarterback itself can't just raise the team no matter. This isn't exactly like the NBA where one player can ultimately can, can turn things around immediately. You do need uh, a lot more guys. You, you mentioned Deshaun. Let me just sort of go there for in, in this sense. Uh, I keep Washington fans are getting frustrated that they want something to happen already. And I'm sure that frustration is now going to get even higher since Wentz just went. That means, you know, now, three notable quarterbacks have been traded, Stafford, Goff, and Wentz, but Washington is still kind of waiting. Deshaun Watson's not available. Neither is Russell Wilson. Neither is Derek Carr, as far as we know. Not even Sam Darnold and Dak Prescott. That's still up in the air as well. Do you think any of those guys, maybe Darnold separate, but do you think any of those other guys actually become available? I don't think so. I think Russell Wilson, I think Aaron Rodgers, I think those are really about contracts, about redoing their deals about getting more money. Uh, I think that's what that's about. I think that Deshaun's a separate case. You know, you know, it was maybe 170 days ago that Deshaun Watson stayed up till two in the morning to watch his check get deposited into account. He was, uh, he was in love with being a Houston Texan. That's after they had traded Hopkins. That's still when uh, Cal McNair was the owner of the team. So, you know, they think something happened. I don't know what it is, but something transpired. And I think they, they, you got to figure that out and they got to try to get them back because really, if they start from scratch, where are they going? They trade him. Where are they going? You know, and then I think a team like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo at the Houston uh, of the San Francisco 49ers, can you get him? Possibly, but he has a no trade clause. And so, you know, he could say, I don't want to go to that team or I want to redo deal. So there's a lot of things you got to hurdle, jump over the hurdle to see where you're going. Um, so, I with you, I, I keep telling people, I don't imagine that these bigger names are going to be made available. And honestly, even if Deshaun Watson was, I don't know, Washington would really realistically be in the mix unless they're willing to literally put in Chase Young and other stuff. And I would imagine that wouldn't be the case. So now we're left with this other group. We, we, we mentioned Mariota. 
there's the way I kind of look at it is it's a lot of these sort of broken pieces, these quarterbacks who didn't work somewhere and teams typically don't get rid of quarterbacks unless there's a, there's a reason to, to, to do it. So you have these guys, I kind of keep saying, if I'm Washington, since I have a little bit of a baseline with Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, I'm going for some upside guys, guys who I, who I have some talent. It just didn't work where it was before, i.e. a Mariota, a Jameis Winston, maybe a Mitch Trubisky, as opposed to Andy Dalton or Tyrod Taylor, guys who are totally solid, but maybe don't have that upside. Is that a fair way, do you think, to look at where for Washington, kind of where, where they are and based on just the options available? No, I don't, because I think you got to evaluate every quarterback. Like, you could sign Mitchell Trubisky. You're still not going to have a good player at quarterback. It's still not going to be worthwhile for you. You you got to – you sign Andy Dalton, let's say, you know, then you you know what you're going to get with Andy Dalton. You're going to get a guy who can move the ball from 120 to the next. You better be really good. He could be an option for them. He has a really good supporting cast. He has his good offensive line. You've got to feature an offense that fits him. So that that would be one situation. I mean, it all depends on who you want to sign. It all depends on how you're going to build the team around that player. You know, Tyrod Taylor played really well in Buffalo in 2015 or 16. I forget what it was. And then he hasn't quite been the same player, you know. And so, look, you, you, you have to figure out what you want to do. And this is what I wrote about what team you want to be, how you want to feature and then run the right scheme for the quarterback. You know, as good as Baker Mayfield play this year, it was really because Mayfield finally played in a scheme that fit his talents the best. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. Uh, we're talking with Mike Lombardi. You can follow Mike on Twitter, of course, at M Lombardi NFL. He's got the GM shuffle podcast and he mentioned uh, his new article up on the athletic, the headline want to build a title winning team. Don't emphasize skill players. It's a very interesting one, especially for a team like Washington, I think that needs receivers. And the question is, do you invest big in free agents or look in the draft. And I think this is the type of thing I think it's people should take a look at because I think it's, it sort of connects uh, to that. Uh, just to get off the quarterbacks while, while I have you here, any other, it's still early free agency, still a few weeks away. Any, any sense at this point as to anybody else that you kind of see out there in free agency that you think either you've heard maybe kind of linked to Washington or you think would kind of make sense for them um, regardless of the position? Well, I, I think the one thing with Marty Herney and, and Martin Mayhew, I think that well, along with Ron Rivera, I think they're going to be definitely aggressive in free agency. And I think when you look at cap space, you know, in light of the news today, that was bigger, that was as big as the Carson Wentz trade today was the cap space. You know, it's, it's only going to be 180. And so, you know, that means there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams right now. They're going to have a hard time getting, you know, below the cap. Washington, if the cap's at 180.5, uh, which is what I had it as Washington would probably have about 38 million to work with. That's a lot of money in a time where, you know, there's very few teams that have money. I mean, the Eagles will be well, Eagles will have to start cutting players, the saints, the Falcons, the Steelers, even the, the Rams, the chiefs, there's teams that have to get under the cap. So it's the law of economics, free agency. It's going to be a high, high, a low, a high supply of players, low demand. And what team like Washington, New England, the Jets, the Colts, the Jaguars that have cap room, they can really make it. They can make a dent. Uh, I mentioned sort of the skill players. There's a lot of interesting wide receivers, free agent receivers this year. Does anybody stand out to you or would you with the draft having a lot of receiver depth, would you rather go that way? If you're a team like Washington, you mentioned with this mentioning of your, of your article about maybe don't invest heavily in skill players. Are there, is there a free agent receiver this year that you maybe would, 
still still target or would you prefer to go uh, a different direction well look i mean look tyree kill shifts the balance of power he's tremendous right but it's hard to find those guys it's hard to find those guys you know in free agency that are available out there i mean aj green will probably be available but he wasn't the same player ty hilton wasn't the same player larry fitzgerald's not the same player you pay sammy Watkins a ton of money you're not getting a number one receiver so for me i if i'm going to spend money on a receiver i'm going to make darn sure that that my other parts of my team are really fit and, and, and able to operate, you know? And so I'm not going to go out there and spend a ton of money on one receiver. You know, Will Fuller could be one of the best receivers in all of football. The problem is he doesn't stay healthy. So what do I do with him? You know, Corey Davis was, I think the fifth pick overall in the draft with Tennessee, you know, and he's yet to make a dent. Do I pay him? I, I think if I'm Washington, I'm going to, you know, I got a great defensive line. I need to, if I get this offensive line as talented as I can, get a tight end to go along with 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 uh, with the other tight end that they had, the kid from Virginia Tech that, that was the quarterback, you know, it slips my name. Logan but, Thomas. Logan Thomas, yeah. I, I can remember talking to Logan Thomas when I was with the Browns, and I'm like, when I was with the Patriots, actually, and we called him into the meeting room and said, you know, the best thing you could do is become a tight end. He's like, no, I'm not a tight end. You know, and then when I watch him play, you know, five years later, he became, you know, this is an all-state tight end in high school. So for me, I would put money and resource. I, you know, you put Hunter Henry on their team with Logan Thomas, and all of a sudden you got two really good options. That helps your receivers on the outside. You got McLaurin. You're going to get receivers. You got to get that offensive line to the level that it can dominate. That's what I would do. And I, and I want to ask you about the offensive line really quick before we go, but I, I want just to circle back on one thing and I apologize for going back to Mariota, but just looking through my notes. So the idea that Washington may have perhaps shifted off of their opinion, any sense as to what would have changed or maybe why, if they don't view him as a potential fit, why that might be the case. I mean, I think a lot of things is teams are doing their due diligence. I think that, you know, they probably react this contract, you know, maybe he's just not the right fit. Maybe they heard something about him as a player that they don't want to handle. So I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, when they have an interest, they, they ask questions. Maybe they don't like the answers to the questions. And just lastly, with regards to the offensive line, I know that is an emphasis, I think, for Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew, things that they've said. I think as somebody who grew up, and we talked about this, uh, I grew up in this area as well. Those Washington te teams under Joe Gibbs that went to the Super Bowl, the most dominant aspect of all those teams was the offensive line. So it makes, I, it's always been ingrained in my head that that's important. Uh, they've got Brandon Scherf, who's a free agent. He, whether he signs a long-term deal or somehow they have to Hello? tag him again. Uh, oh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. um, uh, Brandon Scherf, he could be getting a deal worth annually $15 million or, or give or take a year. That's a lot for a guard, but he obviously has proven to be one of the better ones in the league. They also have questions on the left side of the line at left tackle, left guard. How do you so, sort of assess the idea of paying a, a guard that much money in Sheriff? And what do you do at those other spots uh, in terms of, you know, addressing them this year? I think you just keep trying to improve the line and get better players. You're going to need to set a, solidify your left tackle. Lucas, you know, can he stand there and handle it? He did it at times last year. I think you got to really solidify your, your offensive line as best you can. You don't want to overpay players, you know, uh, you, you know, whether it, people say, well, you can't pay a guard that much. Well, you know, guards, they make a difference in the game. Quentin Nelson's a really good player for the Colts. So if you got a good player, you got to pay him. And I think if you have five good offensive linemen, I think it's going to make your quarterback a lot better. All right. So Trent Williams, I'm going to, I'm going to say they got to go get Trent Williams now, right? That, 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 that makes logical sense for this team, right? 
Well, I, you know, I'm sure Trent Williams is going to try to figure out a way to stay in San Francisco. <laughs> he, he likes Chris Forrester, so I think he's probably going to stay there. I would think so. Hey, Mike, I know I got to let you go. I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. All right, Ben. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Mike. Bye -bye. All right, there you have it. Uh, really appreciate Mike Lombardi's time. He, uh, he's got a ton going on. He does a lot of obviously national interviews uh, with folks. I really appreciated him taking a few minutes to chat. And of course, many thanks to my uh, Washington football team beat colleagues, uh, Matt Paris and Pete Haley for their time as well. Again, a busy week here on the podcast. I really hope everybody had a chance to listen to all the shows. And, and if you didn't or you missed the episodes back uh, recently with you know jay gruden bills gm brandon bean uh who else am i talking to kevin sheehan of course john kime i hope everybody can go check those out uh, if, you're, if you're deep into this podcast you're still listening to me talk right now i you, you rock i greatly appreciate it uh i if all goes well i've got some really fun guests planned for next week as well so more to come here on the standard room only podcast and uh that's it for now Get some rest. Stay safe out there, everybody. If you're in D.C., watch the ice. It is, it is a little tricky out there, although hopefully it's supposed to get warm-ish here in the next few days. We can only hope. <laughs> All right, that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. And until next time, see ya.